Let's turn to uh, God's Word. Let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And if you're following the Pew Bibles, that's page 1063. So John's Gospel, chapter 1. And these very well-known words, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, or some versions has not overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God." The Word became flesh and made His glory among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out saying, this was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Now, let's pray. Father, we've been singing about your presence amongst us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we invite you to come and to minister to our hearts, whether our hearts are soft or hard, whether our hearts are, are are broken in some way or disappointed, we pray, Lord, that in this time we will see you in a new way. We will see your Son, Jesus, as the glorious Word, and that He will speak today, not just my voice, but Lord, you will speak, and we will see new things today, and we will bow our knee and see Jesus is Lord of our lives. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, perhaps like me, you have a fondness for this gospel, the gospel of John. It's different from the other Greek, three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, there, theologians call them the synoptic gospels. Uh, but John, if you know it, if you've read all of the four gospels, you know that John is a, just that little bit different. John includes a lot of material that you do not find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. For example, he has the seven I am statements of Jesus. I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the resurrection and the life, and so on. 
He has only seven miracles or signs, as John calls them. Uh, Seven, as you may know, is the number of completion or perfection in Scripture. So right away, uh, you you get the impression John is making a point here. He's using the number, the perfect number. He's seven signs, seven miracles, seven sayings. He includes extensive teaching on Jesus' relationship with his Father and also with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's relationship with us. And again, we don't find that in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And at the end of John's Gospel, we have the commissioning of Peter after the resurrection. And again, we don't necessarily have that or the detail of that in the other Gospels. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, in this prologue, as it's called, some, one of the commentators has written this. These verses of Scripture are perhaps some of the most important words ever penned. These verses are some of the most important words ever penned. Now, all of Scripture is equally inspired. All of Scripture is equally true. But sometimes you read a passage of Scripture and you just say, wow. There's so much in this, so much that John has has encapsulated in a very few words, and yet it has a profound depth. And I've called this series, uh, as you'll see on the screen there, Signs of Life, partly because we've got seven signs in it, and also partly because Jesus talks a lot about life. And whenever we go to John's Gospel, chapter 20, at the very end of the Gospel, John tells us why he wrote the Gospel. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So it's it's all about life. So as we go through John's gospel uh, between now and Christmas, I hope that some of us will find life in Jesus. And for those of us who already know life in Jesus, that we will become even more alive and know something of what John says in John 10, 10, that Jesus has come, that you will have the life in abundance, abundant life, quality life. So that's that's kind of the the idea behind doing uh, this gospel at, at this time. As you know, I love big picture stuff, or if you like the big words, I love the meta narrative, basically means the big story. And John, I think, is into the big story. When you go onto our website, on the very front page of the website, it talks about making sense of life. And I think that's what John wanted to do. I think that was what was in John's heart as he wrote this gospel. John was the sort of guy, I think, who was always thinking about the meaning of life. Whenever Jesus chose John, as one of his disciples. He was an ordinary guy. He was a fisherman. He was a man's man. He wasn't learned. He hadn't gone to the rabbinic schools. He didn't have the equivalent of GCSEs or A-levels. He was a fisherman. But he was a fisherman, I believe, who thought deeply about things and about life. Why is the world as it is? What does it mean to love? What does it mean to worship? What does it mean to make sense of good and evil and suffering in our world? And although I'm, I'm kind of using my imagination here, I think whenever Jesus chose John as one of his disciples, maybe prophetically, he saw ahead that John is the guy who's going to write 
one of the Gospels. John is a guy who's going to write some of the letters in the New Testament. John is a guy who is going to be talking about the meaning of life. So John was a special friend of Jesus. We see Jesus' human side because although he chose 12 disciples, we're we're told that within the 12 disciples, there were three very special disciples for Jesus, James, Peter, and John. And it also tells us that within those three, there was one very special friend, and that was John. Now, five times in John's gospel, John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So there was a special relationship between Jesus and John. Some commentators feel that John was perhaps a cousin of Jesus on the mother's side, but we don't know that for sure. But Jesus, if we can put it this way, Jesus saw in John a kindred spirit, someone who thought similarly to him. And and we in our lives, I'm sure you've got friends, and maybe you could say, well, that's a kindred spirit. They, They think like me, we're on the same page, we understand each other. And I think John was that kind of person. And so whenever we read John's gospel, I think what we're getting is some of the some of the insights, some of the thoughts, maybe some of the conversations that Jesus had with John that the other disciples didn't hear. And that's why it's such a beautiful gospel and maybe touches areas that the others don't. We're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at this glorious word and what he gives us. We could look at 103 things this morning, but you'll be glad to hear we're only going to look at three So the first one we're going to look at is in verses 1 to 4, that the glorious word gives us life in verses 1 to 4. The glorious word gives us life. When you're trying to make sense of life, it is always good to go to the source. Uh, Say uh, you've you've, you've bought something in a shop and it's faulty, you take it back, and and if it's a, a very expensive item, you might say, I want to speak to the manager. Or if you don't get that satisfaction from the manager, you say, I want to speak to the, the owner. Uh, sometimes Kay and I are out doing something or whatever, and something kind of disappoints us in service or whatever, and Kay says, I'm going to write a letter. She never does, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to write a letter. And uh, you, 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 don't write it, you don't write it to the minions, as it were. You want to, you want to go to the top? You want to go to the top? person and say, look, I have a complaint here, there's a problem here. And John is making the point that the top man, the top person, the giver of life is Jesus. He is the source. He is the source. And that is why he begins his gospel, John chapter 1, he begins his gospel in exactly the same way as the Old Testament begins. In Genesis chapter 1, the first three or four words are exactly the same. In the beginning. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning was God. In John's gospel chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. So right away, John is tying together the Word, whoever the Word is, he's tying together the Word with God. He's identifying them together. He's putting them together. He's more or less saying they are one and the same. This is the top. If you're looking for the meaning of life, if you're looking for life, the source of life is the Word. This man, he says, this man who lived amongst us for 33 years 
He was there in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. Now that's a unique and an awesome claim that he is making. It's either an overreach, it's either nonsense or it's true. Either the word was who he said he was, he is there in the beginning with God or he's not. So Jonah's saying, this man who ate and drank with us, this man who, who felt tired sometimes, this man who sometimes wept, this man who went to the toilet like you and me, this man who felt temptations, this man who laughed and who cried, this man whom you crucified, this man is the source of life. He's the son of God. He is God. In the beginning was the word. But then he says, and the word was with God. So there's a kind of a difference between God and the word because the word is with God. So there's a separation there. There's a distinction. There's a a division, if you will. But he says, but this word was God. So there is a separation of personalities and yet there is a union of God. With God and yet he was God. So there is a unity between this word and God. And we need to allow this to sink in. The source of all of this, of, of this, this life is the man whom you crucified, Jesus of Nazareth. He is the word. The word was with God in the beginning. The world has many prophets and leaders and religious people and religions and so on. But as far as I'm aware, no other religion Uh, claims someone who is God. They may be a prophet, they may be from God, they may be a messenger, they may be an angel, they may be a good teacher, but they are not God. Christianity is unique in saying Jesus is God. And the Jehovah's Witnesses and other religions can't cope with John chapter 1, so they change it slightly. And at the most they say is that that the word was a God. But they will not admit, they cannot admit that he is the God, one and the same, because as far as they're concerned, that's a blasphemy for the Hindus, the Muslims, and so on. It is a blasphemy to say that Jesus is God. So this John chapter one is so key, it is so unique, it is making an enormous claim, saying Jesus is the source of life. It is either complete bunkers or it is true. There is no halfway house. It can't be a little bit true, It's either completely true or it is completely false. So John is saying, let's go to the top. Let's go to the source of life. Who is the source of life? In verse 3 he says, through him, through this word, all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. So if you want to understand about life and its meaning, you want to go to the source, you go to the top man, that is Jesus. Now, Paul backs this up in his writing also because in Colossians chapter 1, he says this, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created through this word. In him, Paul says in Colossians, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things, all things have been created through him and for him. And he holds all things together. In 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6, Paul says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things came 
and through him we live. So this is why in John 20, John says, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that by believing that he's the Son of God, you will have life in his name. Because when you connect into the life source, that life flows into you. And so Jesus in John 11 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So do you want to come fully alive? Then you need to go to the top. You need to go to Jesus and say, I want your life. I want the creative force of Genesis 1 to be in my life. So the glorious word gives us life. Secondly, in verses 4 to 9, the glorious word gives us light. Because light and life often go together. Light enables growth and light helps us to see. And light is another great motif or theme of John's gospel. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In verse 5 here, it says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Sometimes that can be read as the darkness has not overcome it because the light is so powerful. In John, we see a world without Jesus is a world that is in darkness. It is a world that is lost. It is a, a world in the shadows. It is a world that is gloomy. And so whenever we invite the life in, we also get the light. The light shines into the darkness. Whenever we look at our world, we see a world that is increasingly dark. And as Western culture and Western society moves away from God and moves away from God and moves away from God, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, he says, woe to the society, woe to the nation that calls evil good and good evil. And that is the society we are increasingly moving into. But whenever the light of Jesus comes and whenever the light begins to shine, people begin to see that they're calling good evil and evil good. And they move back to Jesus. John calls us to believe and receive the light of the world through whom we see all things. He is the one who shows up our sin for what it is. And that is why many people run away from Jesus, because light exposes things. When we come into the light, we see God for who he is, but we also see ourselves for who we are. We need to run to the light. We cannot have life without the light. And sometimes what people do is they say, okay, I want the life. I, I, want, I want to live forever. It's a song. I'll not sing it. I want to live forever. I want the life of Jesus. But the problem is when you ask for the, the life of Jesus, you will also get the light of Jesus. And when you get the light of Jesus, he begins to show where your sin is. And so people say, okay, okay, I'll take the life, but don't start to point out what's wrong. He says, no, the deal is you get the life of Jesus, you also get the light of Jesus. And the light of Jesus begins to show you by the Spirit what is wrong with your life, and he will start to change things. And we are all sinners, and we all need changed. 
when the Times newspaper long ago asked the question of various authors, what is wrong with the world? G.K. Chesterton famously wrote back in his letter, what is wrong with the world? Dear sir, I am. Yours, G.K. What is wrong with the world? You and me without Christ. G.K. Chesterton also wrote elsewhere at one point, God is like the sun, S-U-N. You cannot look at it, but without it, you cannot look at anything else. Let me repeat that. God is like the sun. You cannot look at it, but without it, you cannot look at anything else. You cannot see anything else as God sees it. Jesus is the light of the world who reveals our hearts and by whom we see all things as they truly are. So in this prologue, John the Baptist is not the light. Verses six to seven, John writes, John the Baptist, he was coming, he, he came, but he was not the light. He came to testify, he came to witness to the true light, verse nine, that gives light to every person. He was coming into the world. You may have seen uh, this picture, if I can put it up. I don't know if you can see it on the screen that well. Uh, this has been uh, on the internet a wee bit in the last couple of weeks. It's by Leonardo Sens. And basically, uh, it's the moon coming in behind the Christ Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, it took him three years to try and get this shot. And uh, he just got it recently. We've been thinking a lot about the blue moon and the, the full moon and so on recently. So he got this shot, which is a, lo a lovely shot. But as I looked at it, I thought, well, Jesus, or the Christ figure, is holding the moon here. But the moon in itself has no light. The moon is reflecting the light from the sun. And if you like, John the Baptist is the moon. But it's reflected light to Christ. Christ is the Redeemer. Christ is the Savior. Christ is the light. Christ is the life. And so we have this lovely picture, but it looks as if the, the statue is holding the sun, or sorry, the moon. But Christ is holding all things, but we all reflect the light. He is the true light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. The true light that gives light to every person was coming into the world. So this glorious word gives us life. He is the source of all life. This glorious word brings us light. He is the source of all light. And thirdly, finally, and briefly, the glorious word gives us lineage, verses 10 to 13. And some of you are saying, what the heck is lineage? But I couldn't think of anything else beginning with L. <laughs> well, line would work, but not just quite on it. So he gives us lineage. Membership in God's family, John says, is by grace. Whenever we receive the life, whenever we receive the light, we enter into the family of God. We are born into his line. Now, I've used this illustration many times before, so you've probably heard it before, but I, I keep banging on about it because I think it's a good illustration. There used to be a time, I don't know whether they still do them, there used to be a time when they did school photographs of the whole of the school. And I do remember last century, 
uh, being out in Lauren Grammar School, about you know, 800 pupils. They had them all out there, and the panoramic camera just... Don't know whether they still do those. Probably don't need that anymore. And then uh, a few weeks later, we told, photographs are ready. Collect them, take them home. So you got your photograph, take it home, give it to mum and dad, say, photograph, school photographs here. What's the first thing that you do? What is the first thing that you do when you open that school photograph? You look for Norman. <laughs> you might not, but my parents did. And if you are an ordinary human being, an ordinary parent, you will do exactly the same. If you have a child at that school, you bear no ill will to any of the other children. I hope you don't. <laughs> you bear no ill will. But you love because that's your Norman, that's your John, that's your David, that's your Sally, that's your Sarah. And you have a special relationship, a lineage. They're yours. And that's what John is saying here. When you receive Jesus as your life, when you receive Jesus as your light, you become a child of God. Now, Jesus loves his creation. Jesus loves everyone. But he especially loves his children or his brothers and sisters because they're in his line, they're in his lineage. And the only way you get into that family, to be adopted into that family, is through receiving Jesus as the life and Jesus as the light. It's the only way you become a child of God. Those who receive him, those who believed in his name, verse 12, those who are born not of natural descent, not of human decision or of human will, those become, those are the children of God. Eugene Peterson in his message version gives it this way. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed to be and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the God begotten, not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten but begotten of God. When we recognize the word for who he is, that he's the source of all life, that he's the light of the world and no one else can touch him. When we receive life and we receive light, we receive an inheritance. We become children of God, rescued from darkness. And this is why Jesus stepped into our world. This is why he came. This is why the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And so my prayer today is that you see the glory of the one and only, the unique Jesus, the word who was there in the beginning, who stepped into our world for 33 years, was resurrected, died, resurrected, ascended. The light of the world who leads us to the Son of God. And when you do that, when you acknowledge that, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word of life and light. And again, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and bring light into our hearts and minds, that we would 
discover Jesus for who he is. And just in this moment, just of reflection between us and the Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, in this time that you would speak into our hearts. Today we receive your life. We receive your light. And when we do that, everything changes. Everything. So as we enter this new season, Lord, we go into it with you as the life and light of the world. And we pray that more and more we will discover the beauty of your name and lay everything at your feet. Everything. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.